Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and we are joined by Canada's hardest working economist. Uh, once again, appropriately dressed in, uh, in flannel for the coming Canadian winter. Uh, I too am in flannel just uh, to, uh, to support his cause because we need him to come up uh, with the, his continued, just absolutely perfection accurate forecasts on the, on the Canadian and global economy. Well, maybe well, at least an A, right? Would you, do you think you'd give yourself an A for this year so far, uh, Eric? An A. Oh, well, let, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, let, let, let's bell curve it and give me an A. That sounds just fine. But by the way, on, on the flannel, Dave, that, that is entirely because, well, first of all, I'm at, I'm at home. I'm not sure I'd be wearing flannel in the office, but uh, I'm wearing it at home because I'm too cheap to turn the heating on before Thanksgiving. So we got we got to hold out for another few days here and see if I can pull that off, especially with uh, you know, heating costs as they are these days. This seems like a particularly important goal compared to normal. Yeah, that, that's why I say hardest working economist. He's always thinking economics uh, every moment of every day, <laughs> every decision in life, because we all are economic actors making those decisions every minute of every day. Uh, so so and, and, and we I'm, I'm sure actually we'll come back to uh, to heating oil and, and and energy prices as we go through this. But the big news today uh, that we're uh, that, that we want to check in on every month are the jobs reports uh, that came out in both Canada and the US this morning uh, and a pretty significant market reaction uh, on on the US jobs number. What do you what do you see there, and 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 what are you interpreting out of those numbers? Is it is it kind of where you expected them to be, or or is it a little hotter than than what you thought? Yeah, I mean it's 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 right on the screws versus where the consensus yeah. lives uh, or expected. Uh, I I must confess, over the years, I've, I've ceased to be someone who. Who, who puts together a huge amount of work trying to predict it, you know, one minute before. And I've, I've left that to others for the most part. So I won't pretend I had a particularly clever secret view. But uh, so, so it's, it's not a huge surprise. But I would say, I think, you know, the logical thought process would be that you should see some slowing in hiring as we see clear evidence of, of, of a softening economy elsewhere. I mean, case in point, the ISM manufacturing numbers came out uh, not that long ago, and, and they showed pretty clearly a lower you know, production metric and new orders were falling. And in fact, the employment plan uh, are now below 50, which in theory would suggest manufacturers at least planning to lay off more than to hire. So we do see some tentative evidence of economic weakness in the U.S. It's not recession level weakness, but, you know, some deceleration. Uh, but we're not seeing it really uh, all that much in the job numbers. So 263,000, again, on consensus, the unemployment rate managed to basically reverse the increase it did last month. And so sitting now at three and a half percent uh, and you know, mostly holding together. You could see a little softness in retail and transportation, which I do find interesting because those can be leading indicators. But for the most part, it was it was a pretty good, fine looking report. So no, no signs of great distress there. But consistent with, I mean, jobless claims had been going up for a while from the summer into the early fall. And they've been coming down for the last, you know, six or so weeks. And so uh, the labor market in the U.S. is holding together for the most part. If, if you wanted to poke a, a hole or two, you could say, well, you know, the household survey, which is, you know, so this is a payroll survey. They contact businesses. They ask them who's working for you. There is an element of uncertainty there because, of course, they don't know what new businesses have been formed this time. They don't you know, quite know which businesses have failed. And so there's, there's you know, some guesses they have to make with regard to that. Uh, there is an alternate survey. It's actually the most popular. It's the main type used in Canada uh, where you're just directly contacting people and saying, are you working? And if you look at that one for the U.S., it was actually only up 12,000 jobs. Uh, and so it, and it, it's choppier, so that doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot. But you know, still, the fact that it was on the lower side 
maybe hints that there was a bit less strength in here than it, than it first looks. But in general, it's a labor market that's holding together. Um, hourly earnings are decelerating a little bit. That's been a trend now for a number of months. And still, so they're still running 5% year over year, but uh, they're running 0.3% month over month. And so if you kind of do the math on that, that's less than a 4% rate. So it does seem like we're maybe losing a little bit of heat out of the labor market there. Uh, and, and then in terms of, you know, what, what does all of this mean? Why, why would the stock market be yeah. unhappy in response to like a pretty good looking job number that frankly wasn't that far from consensus? And I think there was probably a little bit of wishful thinking in there. But nevertheless, uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's one in which, uh, you know, essentially good is bad uh, yes, at this yes. point because, you know, the economic data that's strong means the Fed's got to hike even more. And so uh, bond yields have gone up to reflect that and the stock market's gone down on the view that the Fed's going to have to you know, hurt growth even more later to, to cool this economy down. And it, it is absolutely fair to say, as I look at economies around the world, that you know, the U.S. economy has been holding up better than most. You, you see clear weakness in Europe and in the U.K. and you see you know, bits and pieces of it in, in Canada and you know, less less in the U.S. There's, there's you know, more heavy lifting for the Fed there. And you know, that's a big reason why the Fed is now talking four and a half to five percent as a peak policy rate. I'm not quite sure they get that far, but nevertheless, I mean, it's clear that they I shouldn't even say it's clear they haven't gone far enough just because there are such leads and lags involved in these things sure. that we, we couldn't really honestly claim we've seen the full effect of, of, of the tightening that's happened so far. But you know, they're, they're going to have to keep going at least a little further. So, but but isn't, this, isn't this the way it's going to kind of play out, given the unusual job market that we have coming out of COVID, that we have all these job openings that, 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 that can't be filled but there's still people who are, you know, out in the job market and they're, they're going to find jobs. Aren't we just going to slowly see those job openings decrease and 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 to a point where there's kind of no more job openings and we're starting to see more significant job losses? Isn't that the way it's going to kind of play out? And 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 if if that is the way, what what do you think is the key number? Or what is the key number that you're looking at to really give you a sense that that we have? rolled over that we're heading towards the recession that you you think is most likely to happen um and and then ultimately get to a point where the fed is forced to either stop raising rates or perhaps even lower rates right so i, I suspect those will all be diff different points i guess that's a, that's a big question dave uh, a very good question though uh, you know, for, for instance, you know, when, when does the Fed start cutting rates? Well, you know, it, it's going to be pretty tentative on that front. It needs to be crystal clear. Inflation's coming down. It, it's probably less motivated by precisely what the economy is up to. But if the economy were to fall into recession, I'm sure that would make the argument a little a little more compelling and so on. And so I, I don't know that we're going to get too many credible signals, at least until 2023 on that front, and maybe not even until, you know, many months into 2023. So I'm not looking really for that right now. I guess my focus is, is more on the, the economic side and trying to sort out what, what sorts of, of, of turns are happening there. And I mean, there's a lot of ways to answer that, that question. One would be to say, well, you start with confidence and then turn to intentions and then look to activity. And so we've seen a pretty big hit to consumer and business confidence and you know, a notable change in intentions, which is to say that businesses say they're going to hire less as per our earlier discussion on that ISM employment component. And uh, you, you see that in other places as well. And so it seems like there's a turn in intentions. It's also true with, you know, CapEx intentions and things like that. So really the thing we're waiting on is the actual activity then to soften in line with the intentions. And I think we've, we've, we've lived through a, 
a strange enough few years to recognize there can be at least partial disconnects and so on. So I'm not convinced it's going to map quite as neatly through as it might normally. But um, I, I do think we're, we're starting to, so I guess we're looking for that is, is the, the, the main answer. Uh, the labor market's always a funny one in the sense that it's considered a lagging indicator. So I don't know that it's going to be the first thing to turn. And yet they release it so quickly. Here we are talking about September data and it's barely October. Uh, that it's, 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 it's still relevant. So it's, it's, it's in the discussion. Um, I, I think we need to watch probably the weekly jobless claim particularly closely. And so no, no real signs of great weakness there right now. So that, that one hasn't particularly turned yet. I think we really need to watch retail sales and consumer spending in particular uh, as, as you know, there's some vulnerability, I think, mounting there. And so that, that's one that we're watching quite closely as well. But the, 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 the list really goes on. I'll, I'll take what I can get. And we're looking at real-time indicators. I'm not, I'm not picky when it comes to the data. If I can see you know, useful information that's been evocative in the past, that, that does the trick for, the, for me. I mean, if you really want to get ahead of things, you can say, well, when, when central banks raise rates a lot, the economy tends to slow quite a bit. There's quite clear relationships there. So we've We've already seen those kind of causal uh, turns happen, and we're we're just waiting for it to show up. This this is why I'm the dumb host, and 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 you're the smart guest. Don't ask Canada's hardest working economist to should say just one indicator. He's looking at everything all the time, twenty four seven. So it it's uh, it, it it was it was the wrong question. So sorry, Dave. Yeah, no, no, no secret silver bullet. Yeah, exactly. So, so what? what um, we we look at Canada, and 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 of course, Canada is, you know, we're largely driven by what's going on in the U.S. and elsewhere. Uh, but the Canadian jobs report is, um, you know, coming off a pretty weak August report, a little bit more more normal. And we, any anything to glean from that? Yeah, so I mean, so the Canadian job numbers did look pretty normal, up twenty one thousand. That was, I mean, this really, in a sense, was a boring month, and that both both countries were, were close to being on the screws in terms of versus yeah. what the consensus had expected. Now it's worth saying, well, hold on, what was the consensus expecting? Was that good or bad? And in the Canadian context, it happened to have been a, a decent expectation. But I think the context is everything here. You mentioned August was softer; it was quite soft. It was almost a forty thousand job loss yes. in August, and if, if people are forgetting. Uh, July and June were also down. We've had we had three consecutive months of, of job losses. They weren't uh, colossal job losses. There there were some funny business in them. For instance, you know the bulk of the loss last month was like education services, which like, I wasn't aware of. Uh, Forty nine thousand teachers being laid off in August. I, I'm not sure that actually happened. There might have been some seasonal gremlins in that. In fact, I note in this particular report, uh, in theory. 46,000 teachers were hired. What do you know? Almost exactly the same number they thought were laid off last month. And so I, I think there were some seasonal distortions there that probably don't fully reflect what was happening. So you know, it's, it's, it's choppy still, but I think it's still fair to say if you look at a you know, certainly a four-month trend, but a six-month trend as well, we're not seeing uh, as much hiring as we used to see. I, I think the deceleration in the labor market is clearer in Canada. Um, maybe that's a statement that the Canadian economy is suffering a little bit more. I think you could you could perhaps mount that argument and 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 justify it by saying that Canadian housing is softening more profoundly than in the U.S. and it, as it should, uh, given you know the, the, the dynamics that we can see. Uh, and so that, that that's likely there. Uh, you know, conversely, really, you could also say, and this is now swinging back to the U.S. that. Uh, it, it remains very strange. The U.S. labor market hasn't softened more. I mean, we, we, we've seen the GDP numbers softer. We've seen a lot of things softer. In fact, officially, productivity growth has collapsed in the U.S. because they kept hiring workers even as the economy was slowing. And that's not something that usually persists. There, there should be some resolution to that, and it should be in the form of, I would think, less hiring or, 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 or maybe out, outright layoffs as well. But by the way, you mentioned, this is me now jumping around, you, you mentioned uh, job openings uh, before. Yeah. And so it certainly... 
I would say a central thesis for us is recession, more likely than not, but the labor market doesn't do as badly yes. as it would normally do in a recession. And a big part is, is precisely because there are a lot of job openings. So if companies say, ooh, the economy or demand is set to be you know, 5% weaker than we thought uh, when we were first planning, uh, they were planning on hiring a lot of workers. They can just plan to hire fewer workers, and that may result in less actual laying off. Now, I should say we're already seeing some of that. So, for instance, in the U.S., job openings fell by a million yes. uh, in the latest month. So we're already seeing some of that. History suggests you don't get to completely sidestep job losses, even when there is this buffer in terms of openings. Uh, and so I still think there'll be some hit, but but less of a hit makes sense. Uh, maybe the other thought the way is, and we were just talking about this as a team, which is, uh, OK, so, you know, fewer job openings, less painful than than firing people. Yes. Uh, certainly that sounds fair. However, they were going to hire a million people next year, and now they're not going to. That's somebody kind of suffering. They don't know they're suffering because they never got the job to begin with, but uh, there is still a cost from that as well. Yeah, and, and that, that was sort of the direction I was heading with that uh, long-winded question earlier. So we did circle back to it. Let, 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 you know, a, a lot of the stuff I'm reading right now as we look forward is, is kind of where we're sitting right now with the Fed raising rates and central banks all around the world raising rates that, that it, it's tightening up the financial system and, and you start to get to a point where there, there's just the potential for something to break the system. Um, so, so we saw the little little mini crisis. Uh, we, 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 had, uh, we had David Riley on talking about what's going on in the UK and the UK pension fund and, uh, and, and what was happening with the gilts, the, 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 the bonds in, 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 in the UK. Is, is there anything else out there that, that you think that you're you're seeing that that worries you that could be a, a a real tipping point on on the global economy that that ultimately does get us into that recession be it you know something similar to what we saw in the uk credit suisse uh the the issues they had um what we're expecting to be a really tough winter uh with with energy prices and I mean, just energy period in europe mm -hmm. uh, china mm -hmm. and everything that's going on there what's what's the one thing that you're looking out at that, that you think could be that 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 big canary in the coal mine or that that big tipping point on right. on 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 where when we get into some some real finance uh, economic difficulties Dave, did you just make the mistake of asking me for one thing again i, I uh -oh. yeah i don't know if i can that, that's that, uh, <laughs> the, 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 there you... i don't know if i can give you okay. one can thing. you can you zero uh, in on 10 things eric for us this is where my bad memory comes into play and i, I won't be able to keep track of 10 but uh, so, I mean, so I, I would say, you know, the, the pension fund story, and indeed, I think the most logical place to expect trouble is in the context of rising rates means if you're levered, if you're leveraged up, yeah. that can be a problem. It's at a minimum makes your life more expensive and, and then some things may break. And so that that you know, David Riley, much more articulate on the, on the British pension situation specifically. But, uh, you know, that was in a nutshell, the situation there, right? They were levered probably more than they should have been. And you know, what do you know, when yields spike higher, then somebody's making a margin call and yeah. pension funds aren't all that liquid. They're not in a position, you know, they're not able to, 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 to make a, a margin call on short order. So, uh, so, so I mean, who, so who's levered? So, I mean, obviously housing markets, you know, mortgages and so on are quite levered. So that's you know, precisely why we're expecting housing market pain and some suffering, unfortunately, to happen there. Um, you know, banks can be levered. I think for the most part, banks are a whole lot better capitalized and, and better regulated than they were you know, 12, 13 years ago. Though, I, I guess if you wanted to pick some of the weaker players, the name Credit Suisse does come up yeah, yeah. fairly often. So that, that would be, I was talking to Stu Kedwell about that uh, just the last couple of days. And so that, that, that certainly comes up. 
Um, you know, for a while, private equity was coming up as a you know le- levered player, and I have to say, having talked with some people, I'm a little less nervous about that than I was before. I mean, that you know they're not that liquid. That's a criticism in some ways, but you know that, that's also a benefit. They're they're able to hang on to their money and not 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 panic. And indeed, they have a lot of cash on the sidelines they can deploy, perhaps opportunistically. But but nevertheless, I mean, really, so who, who's levered is the question. As I look through that, inevitably, I'm missing things. But as I look through that, uh, I, I don't see things that are obviously guaranteed to break. And so I, I'm tending still to view it through an economic lens, which is, well, higher rates are just going to be painful and slow everything down and certainly contribute to a recessionary kind of outcome. But but hopefully without the, the financial contagion channel being all that profound. But it's hard to say, right? I mean, if you know, British pension funds... Uh, forced to delever and they have to you know, make a forced sale, well, maybe they're selling U.S. corporate bonds and suddenly something else is breaking. And so it's kind of it's very hard to, to speak with precision. And so you, you usually uh, be, being patient and, and not overreacting is a good strategy through those kinds of periods. Just in terms of the other, you know, what are the big you know, scary things that could happen? I think we were really saying like our base case scenario is recession, but what are the downside risks yeah, that yes. could still exist? I mean, you have to talk geopolitical, and which 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 you did, which is you know it's quite unlikely, but if there was an invasion of Taiwan, that would be you know ten times worse than the invasion of Ukraine in an economic context, and so very unlikely, but that would be bad. Uh, much more conceivable is just that the energy situation keeps getting worse in in Europe, and uh, you know OPEC hasn't helped recently, but Russia you know could well respond to that effort to cap oil prices, which I think comes on on December fourth, and if they say well no more oil from us, then all of a sudden you've got, you know, much higher oil prices. So I think there are a few scenarios in which you could have trouble uh, through that channel. And of course, that's that's troubling in a few ways. It's, it's both bad for growth and bad for inflation, which is kind of the, the, the double whammy that we're not looking for. So those th- th- those are some of the more prominent risks, obviously. Uh, I mean, conversely, uh, you know, base case is it's a you know, middling recession and it's inherently temporary and you're coming out of it. And Dave, I don't know if this this got much discussion or not, but in terms of our own tactical asset allocation, we've actually added a tiny bit of risk recently. And uh, and you know the logic behind that isn't necessarily that the worst is completely over, but we think a whole lot of bad news is priced in here. And people, you know, sentiment is, is incredibly grim right now. And so you know, if you're thinking that maybe you'd spend six months shifting from being cautious to being more aggressive investing, well, you know, this could be the beginning of that six month period. And so I I, th- I think that's worth keeping in mind as well. Yeah, and 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 very important for 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 investors to keep in mind overall that uh, that that at, at some point the market is going to sense, as you say, that we're through the worst of this, uh, and then you typically see a fairly big move um, as long as 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 things are playing out as you suggest, middling recession coming from a relative point of strength, particularly in in job markets as we've been discussing. Um, and 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 that could be a real trigger. So so that that idea of starting to nibble at uh, a, a little bit more risk uh, is something that that I know uh, quite a few investors are are, are looking at that uh, that I'm talking to, and quite a few advisors are thinking about that in terms of the way they they talk to their investment clients. So uh, Eric, uh, you actually did get to that one answer on the answer was leverage. So see if you can find leverage, and that's where the stress will come. Uh, but because I, I guess you look across the economy. We're just the, the economy's just not levered uh, to to the same extent, or at least in the spots that create that systematic risk the way we were in 2007, 2008. So so not as big a worry, but but that is where the where the potential is. Um, and, and anything else? Just just uh, since we, we we might not see it for a couple of weeks. Any anything else you're 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 looking for? I guess the the, the next CPI reports would would be the obvious thing. 
as, as a clue, but but any any anything else that uh, that you're that you're really going to be watching closely over the next yeah. month? Yeah, so the inflation matters a lot, and I, I would say the thing within inflation that really matters a lot is the breadth of inflation, right? We've we've seen lower inflation prints for a couple of months yeah. now, but it's been sort of a gas story. Yeah. It's been pretty pretty narrow. We still see a lot of pressure coming out of just all the little things that people buy every day. We, we're hoping to see some turn there. I don't know for sure that you know this month will be it, but nevertheless, that that's the remaining unaddressed you know, issue, I would say. So that, that's the big inflation one. And then the other one is we're just paying close attention to China's National Congress, oh, yes. big meetings that are happening uh, just, just next week, actually, starting next week as we record this. And uh, you know, so President Xi very likely gets reappointed to another five-year term. But you know, will they do things about housing? Will they change the zero tolerance policy? These sorts of things. Probably not radical shifts, but nevertheless, you, you, you just get little, little, little hints like, oh, we're focusing on... Uh, common prosperity and that means like reducing inequality yeah, yes. or like stability it means like we don't want growth to be too fast or too slow so there's some tea leaf reading that will be needed but but that could be very important china matters a lot and you know if, if you wanted to be optimistic on china and say china you know zero tolerance goes away over the coming months that would be a pretty significant tailwind to the world economically excellent well eric we will uh, we'll check in uh, with you if uh, if something urgent comes up otherwise we'll we'll follow up on that uh, story coming out of china and the next job report a month from now. Thanks, uh, thanks as always for your time. Okay, happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management, Inc. for informational purposes only and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.